welcome back to Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. The goal with this podcast is to inspire you to consider new perspectives and set fire to negative bias so we can all rise from those ashes and create a more informed and inclusive world together. We hope to achieve this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Today, I am joined by the author of 14 Days in Beijing, Chancellor Jackson. Chancellor is an athlete, author, mentor, educator, and entrepreneur, among many other things. He strives to help others think more critically and understand new perspectives through his work. Welcome to the show, Chancellor. Hey, blessings and balance to you, Heather. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. And as we said before the show, we will dive into 14 Days in, a Be- in Beijing in a minute here because I did read it and I have some questions. For sure. Before we kind of dive into the conversation, I always like to ask guests to share a little bit about themselves personally, like your personal background. It kind of gives us an idea on where your perspectives might come from. So can you share like where you grew up, cultural background, interests that are particularly important, things like that? For sure. Um, Name is Chancellor K. Jackson, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Single, raised by a single single mother for the most part. Um, Grew up with one younger, one of my younger siblings. Um, And we played football vast majority of our lives. We didn't start playing until middle school. So, of course, we were late bloomers with that. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else been playing since they was four or five years old. So it was uh, definitely, for me at least, I had to do a lot of catching up. Um, Just developmental piece when it comes to the game of football, physically and mentally. But it took me about a year to catch up to speed. And I was able to have success my freshman year, sophomore year. And faced a little adversity my junior year, but you know what I'm saying, prevailed towards the end. And then, of course, senior year did went through my senior year, didn't have any offers, interests, um, or anything from college scouts. But I knew I wanted to play college football. That was a goal of mine when I first started playing football. So I was just faced with another set of adversity as far as trying to find some place to play. And it wasn't like our coaches was helping us out, marketing us to any other school. So I had to do it myself. Um, so I was able to get myself uh, land an opportunity to play at Stetson University, D1 school down in Florida, um, where I played all four years and obtained my bachelor's degree in communication and media studies. Um, and then I still had to face a lot of adversity, you know what I'm saying, throughout college at least playing football. Um, but, hey, it's a goal of mine that I always wanted to do, and I saw it through. So once football came to the end, I was just at a crossroad, like, all right, Chance, who are you? What's next? Um, what do you want out of life? Who do you aspire to be? What do you aspire to be? Hey, what do you like doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What's your purpose? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know. I couldn't answer. I can't answer any of these questions. But no, shit, I got to start somewhere. Um, so I just started applying for jobs, mainly corporate positions, um, landing interviews. I'm talking about getting flown out, put up hotels, the whole nine, and just couldn't seem to land an actual position. I did this process for about eight months. I graduated. I'm back home driving Uber and, and shit. And I'm just like, like, bro, I ain't do everything, quote unquote, the textbook way for me to be, you know what I'm saying? Had a short end of the stick when it's all said and done. Like, nah, bro, this ain't it. But I know I got to keep going. I got to keep fighting and keep pushing, keep applying. Because if I give up now, I'll never be shit. Um, so 
uh, that's where I found my I found an opportunity to teach English abroad to children in China. First job to tell me yes. <laughs> so it was there were no if ands or buts about it. Um, that's how I ended up out there, and I entered China on October tenth, twenty eighteen. I was supposed to do a year before everything hit the fan, and then on April fourth, twenty nineteen, that's when I was locked up. And two weeks later, I was released, deported from the country. And now I'm back in America and it's back to square one all over again when football first came, well, like when football ended back in 2017, like, damn, all right, what's next? What you going to do? Who are you? You know what I'm saying? Like you don't been able to fi- get your foot in the door with education um, and with your experience being overseas. I'm like, that's going to open some doors for you. So definitely utilize that to your advantage. Um, and that's what I did. I'm still in education, fell into coaching football, um, just on the humbug, just me going out, <laughs> watching them boys practice. And then, hey, boy, you trying to call? I'm like, I can. Um, I started writing 14 Days in Beijing uh, that summer of 2019 as well. And then finished writing 14 Days four months later, another six months getting it ready for publishing. And while I was still on pre-sale, I was ranked the number one new bestseller in three different genres. And then from there on, it's just like, well, I was just able to, opportunities just came knocking crazy then. Um Tell me about, because first of all, you said two things that I'm like, well, actually, two things and I have one thought. So first thing is you said you were a late bloomer to football and you're like, people usually learn at like four or five. I'm like, what, what? Did people do football that young? Mm -hmm. Really? Uh, Oh, you must not be, you must not be from the South. No, I am from the North. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then you said you face adversity and you mentioned it um both in high school and then through college. Can you can you touch on like an example of of a piece of adversity that you faced? Yeah, yeah. So football, my very first love and passion. Um, very first thing I set high in goals for. So me being the spirit that I am, when I put my mind towards something, fuck everything else, straight up. So there's no point in having a plan B because it's gonna it's gonna take away from plan A. Junior year going into uh to into the season, my junior high school going into the season. I you know what I'm saying freshman year I played I started on freshman ball freshman team. Sophomore year I started on JV. Junior year I'm like I feel like I'm ready to start on varsity. Did my coaches find that fit? No. And they put me back on JV my uh, junior, um, my junior year. And mind you, my brother, my younger brother, that was a sophomore, was starting on varsity. So that definitely, you know what I'm saying, played a role in just receiving the news and, you know what I'm saying, just um, not being <laughs> happy with the decision that was made. Um, but I was just, I remember just sitting on the curb. Like after they told me, they broke it to me that I was going to be playing JV again. I mean, I'm just sitting on the curb right out outside the locker room and I'm just like just contemplating and reflecting on like damn bro if this football thing really for me should I continue to put forth my energy and effort towards this game um we don't play for the best school you know what I'm saying our coaches we have a reputation for not you know what I'm saying Campbell High School is not known for football it's a sorry ass school coaches ain't really been good so it's like all in all, most people that come through that school and play football, you don't go to play at the next level. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right. And there's something I really wanted to do. And I'm like, I can't be playing JV my junior year and expecting to try to find a school to play at. My, you know what I'm saying? Come see here. You need all the film you can get your junior year. That Your junior year is really your, your money year. So it's just like, all right. 
I can throw in the towel, but if I do that, I, I definitely will never be able to play college football again. So that's not even an option. I can't get up and transfer schools because you know, we ain't got, you know, we can't do that. So it's like, shit, I ain't got no choice but to stick my, my ten toes to the ground and just grind. That's a, that's the only option I got, and that's what I did. And I'm going crazy on JV. I'm averaging two, three picks a game. You throw that bitch in the air, it's mine. <laughs> and the coaches took notice. Next thing you know, they moved halfway through the season. You know what I'm saying? Really towards the end of the season. I'm like, let's put a chance on varsity, see what he can do. My very first time getting to start varsity, or at least play. I ain't even started. I got to play in the game, in the varsity game. Very first, one of the times I'm on the field, I pick up the number two quarterback in the nation at the time. And after that, it was signed, sealed, delivered. All right, boom. Okay, he stamped me. All right, we can. We, we he solidified. Okay, now going into senior year, uh, they moved me. So freshman year, I played. I started free safety at free safety. Sophomore year, I moved from free safety down to strong safety, and we ran a thirty stack defense. So we got three down linemen, three backers, two outside linebackers. You know what I'm saying? So pretty much, I was playing an outside linebacker. So I went from, and it's still part of the same. It was still part of the same position group, but it's still different positions. One is you know the third uh level of defense. Now I'm the second level of defense and I'm in the box. So I'm really a run defender now versus just strictly playing the pass. So it was a lot of develop everything about my journey, especially with football, has had the developmental piece. I started late, then I got a you know what I'm saying I found a position finally found a position that I'm I'm good at and I could play at. Then I get moved from that position to another one. Now I got to learn all the development of that position, then master that position after two years. Then my senior year, they moved me to corner. <laughs> and it's still a part of the secondary, but now I'm out here on the island. So it's a whole lot of different techniques and a whole, it's just pretty much a whole different type of game you got to play out there on the island. So, and I still lack that developmental piece. And it's my last year on top of that. But hey, yeah, I'm trying to play. So wherever y'all want me to play at, that's where I'm going to play. Um, but with that experience that played out in my favor when it came to marketing myself to schools, it's like, okay, I just, even though I only play defense, I play multiple positions on this side of the ball. You can put me anywhere back here. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, of course, I had to get myself to find an opportunity to play at the next level. My coaches wasn't doing it. I'm after school. I'm During school, after school, I'm emailing coaches. I'm messaging coaches on Facebook, Twitter. I'm doing all of that. Every single day, multiple times a day, hours on hours. And I ain't really find I ain't land Stetson until season ended in November. I ain't find out I was going to Stetson until like March, April of my senior year. You know what I'm saying? And now pretty much a walk on on top of that. I ain't get recruited at the school. You know what I'm saying? So that now, okay, I got my foot in the door. That don't mean that everything going to be peaches and cream. Uh, nah, you at the bottom now. You in here, but you, but don't nobody know who you is. These coaches done invested into all these other freshmen. They just spent time. They built a rapport. You on the other hand, uh, you got to make a name for yourself. But guess what? I guess what I did. Freshman year, uh, fall camp, I'm going crazy. I earned myself a starting spot on um, our nickel package uh, defense. So that's when the offense is in a passing uh, passing set. They got to throw the ball. So we're gonna put more defenders on the field that can cover the pass versus having a lot of run defenders out there. So I made made a starting nickel position uh, package. My very first time stepping on the field as a college football player. I made the tackle, forced the fumble, and recovered it all in the same play. And you would think after somebody making a play like that, your first time stepping on the field, oh, it's no ifs, ands, or buts about this individual and his game. Ironically enough, I didn't touch the field the rest of that season. And I ain't, couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I can't tell you why. I really 
one finna go to those coaches and try to see what the reasoning was because I was doing a lot of that bitching and complaining in high school and that wasn't getting me far. So I learned to stop doing all that a long time ago. Just put your head down and work. So that's what I just continued to do. Um, but I really ain't start find a, uh, I ain't start at a position until my junior year of college. I played special teams and stuff, but like actually getting the, being able to start my junior year. And then, of course, my senior year, I was able to play a lot more, you know what I'm saying, to start all of that. Um, but I didn't even have the best CNC. So it's like after all of the very first love, football, love and passion. And it's like nothing has been easy with this love and this passion. But I, I had a goal in mind and I stayed down and I stayed true to it and I accomplished it. I wrote that bitch down and I crossed it off the list. So now it's like, OK, I've manifested something that I always wanted to do. And just like anything, it ain't come easy. You know what I'm saying? So I already and everything we go through is preparation for what's in store. So I already knew moving forward, I was gonna I was gonna deal with a lot of BS. I was gonna have it's gonna be similar because football it was like that for both levels for football. So I'm like, okay, bet I'm like, it's gonna life gonna be like this for sure for me. But as long as I stay disciplined and I stay down, watch what happens. <laughs> Just watch what happens. I, I feel like I've had a similar, not football, I don't play football, <laughs> but I've had a similar like journey where I've had to ask myself, like, why is everything so hard? And then like, I don't know when it was a few years ago, but it took me, I feel like it took me a long time. And finally I was like, maybe it's supposed to be for me. Maybe it's because I can handle it. And like what you just said, it's preparing you for your next journey. And that's not helpful in the moment to be like, oh, I'm the chosen one. Everything's going to be hard. <laughs> that sounds awful, right? But like I and maybe it's just like I, con I have to convince myself of this because, you know, we're going through it regardless. But like maybe this is what we're here for. Maybe our lessons are something that we can put on display for other people to help them. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know, but that's what yeah. I get out of that. And by the way, I just want to, I want to take a second. I didn't actually know what this was because I mean, I'm just not a sports person. So I didn't know what D, D1, D2, D3 was until like a year ago when my nephew was going, starting to get ready for <laughs> college and he's a baseball player. And he was like, no, that's a D whatever school. I'm like, what does that mean? And so I know now, but for anyone who doesn't know, you getting yourself into a D1 school, which is like the hardest competition, right? Yeah. Like without Especially, yeah. support is pretty freaking amazing. So, you know, it sucks you didn't play, but you got there and you kept going. I think we oftentimes give up and you didn't. So I think cheers to that. Oh, me. It's like Nipsey Hussle said, I ain't going to sit here and portray this ultimate poise. Like I've been had all this shit figured out here. No, you, I battle every emotion. I battle every emotion behind what I'm getting after right now. And the only distinguishing quality between me and whoever else is going through this already went through this or is about to go through it is that you're not going to quit. Yeah. That's all you can do. <laughs> you're not going to quit. So I just started asking this question because, and my, my listeners are going to get annoyed because I keep saying the same thing, but you can, we, they can ignore this part. Like we can look up the definition of diversity, right? We can all do that. We can grab Google and we can look up what it says. But in my opinion, I think we all have kind of a framework for it in our own mind. Mm. So can you share what diversity means to you and how it has impacted your life? Um, diversity, I feel, is just all of the major differences within the world that we live in. And 
are the world, our worlds are a lot smaller than what we think. And what I mean by that is I'm from Atlanta, from the South, you from up North. And we're just, just based on this conversation, I'm sitting here talking about, yeah, folks been playing football since four or five years old. So you, you're like, I'm, I might as well be speaking Spanish to you right now. So you're like, what is this man talking about? So we're talking about how different things can get drastically just between two regions of the same nation. And we can make it even smaller than that. I'm from Atlanta, specifically Smyrna, Georgia. So Smyrna compares to the actual city of Atlanta, two different places. But they ain't number 10 miles down the road from one another. You know what I'm saying? And everything in between is, is different. So it's just like when you think now we're taking it from we took it from just a city a state standpoint to a national standpoint with me comparing me and you. And now let's take it from a global standpoint. Atlanta compared to Ghana. Atlanta compared to Saudi Arabia. Atlanta compared to Russia. These are it's different between each place and everything everywhere in between drastically different. So that's why I feel like diversity is it's just the differences all within that coexist within this world. Um, multiple different matrices and multiple different smaller universes that all coexist within this whole globe that we call Earth. Um, and that's why I feel like I always say it's important for everybody to travel, travel outside the U.S., travel abroad. Um, but traveling, you can only get an ex- you can only get man, a, a sample of the experience. Live abroad someplace. I only live in China for six months and I got a full experience. So you ain't even got to live no place long. You know what I'm saying? Live someplace else. Someplace you always have been fascinated with, you always wanted to go. But go live someplace else and see how much you learn about yourself and then life in general. Everywhere you go, life is drastically different. And with that being said, how can anybody, nobody can sit here and say that they know the blueprint or the exact way to live life? Because everywhere you go, Life is lived drastically different. It's going about drastically different. It's believed to be drastic. It's, it's different everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Same nation uh, to completely different nations. Everywhere you go. And, and, and anywhere in between. So that's why I feel like diversity is. Just differences within the world. All the differences that coexist. You know what is super cool that is a flip on that is there are so many differences. But when you actually take a pause to have conversations... You actually, in my experience, I find that we have a lot in common as well. So, okay, so through this conversation, you know, I connected with like the kind of the struggle. Very, very different for very different reasons, right? Um, I I drove Uber when I first started my business. I'm like, all right, let's supplement this income, right? So, like, when we have conversations with humans that are wildly different than ourselves, I think it's amazing at how many connected dots there are. Mm-hmm. So in, in your book, you go back and reference your Native American heritage. Um, and I want to ask you a question about this, because when I'm looking at you, you don't look like a typical Native American, mm-hmm. right? And I expect that that's, you know, that's my vision of you. And I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of other people would would agree. Now, P.S. Not questioning your heritage whatsoever. No, 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 no. That how that has played a role in your life because it, sure. it seems like the way you talk about it, it's super important to you. But I think it's probably unexpected when you bring that up to people. So how is that playing a role sure. in your life? Um, really, just learning history. You know what I'm saying? History has been taught to us one way, and it's really been the, the history that's been taught to us is written by one group of people. 
and it's been the same group of people been having hands on that history. And then it isn't until most people become adults and you start taking all these electives in college and now you get to come across different types of information that you have never heard before. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, damn. So well, I remember learning about this this way in this school and now I'm here. Or just even if you didn't go to college, you just get exposed to more information when you get older than you know what I'm saying you was able to get exposed to as a child. Um, and my father was always a conscious, conscious, conscious spirit, always conscious um, from as far as I can remember. Um, so once I started to become my spiritual awakening began 2016, my junior year of college, I had to question everything that I once learned and believed and I had to unlearn and relearn a whole lot of different things. Um, most people would consider, and even my people, even we, we consider ourselves black, but that is yet another label that has been passed, that's been given to us. Before that, it was Negro, then nigger, and all So it's like, it's just been different names these folks have given to us. So it's like, who are we? Black is a color. African-American, you know what I'm saying? A lot of, we, <laughs> we've been told that we come from Africa. There's other documentation that proves that's not the case. A lot of them really originate from here. We just been told we've some someplace else just to keep everything confused. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's a lot of us that are the, the real lost tribe or the real tribes of the indigenous Aborigine people of this land. Yes, you you think you don't? Yeah, y'all don't look like this typical Native Americans. Yeah, them ain't them not the real Native Americans. It's like talking about the Egyptians in Egypt right now. They're not even the real Egyptians. And you know what I'm saying? The folks in Jerusalem, they ain't even a real, you know what I'm saying? They made the real folks. You know what I'm saying? These are the, the, the new and approved version of these groups of people. You know what I'm saying? That's the transpired through evolution and time. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't always like that. Native Americans came in all shapes, forms, and colors. You go to China right now. Literally, I had a little boy in my class, a little Chinese boy, spoke nothing but Mandarin. I'm teaching this little boy English. I was like, boy, if your hair was just a little bit nappier, boy, you could pass as a brother. Like them folks coming up. You think Chinese people all look the same? Nope. Go over there, boy. Them folks, all different flavors, types. I'm telling you. I'm like, oh, hold on. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So that's why you got to question everything. You know what I'm saying? Don't really believe what you see in the media because that's, that's where most people, you know what I'm saying, result to stereotypes. You know what I'm saying? And it's just ignorance. Versus what you actually know and actually been exposed to versus what she's been put in your face since you was knee high to a bullfrog, what you've been programmed to believe. You know what I'm saying? Question everything. Question everything for sure. Um, so it's definitely. The, yeah. <laughs> 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 me, yeah, that's the old country saying right there. But yeah, my great grandmother, Cora Williams, Cherokee, my father, uh, his granddaddy was a uh, Choctaw with Tomka. You know what I'm saying? I could pull up a picture of my granny. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's a Native American woman right there. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. Now we also mix with other stuff probably. But again, a lot of our, our actual heritage and being able to trace our roots has been tampered with. And uh, you know, you, it, you need actual public records. This way to actually go about looking up your lineage and it's all through public records that you can get your hands on. You had that, you don't need some bread to do it. They don't teach you that because, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, just uh, submit your DNA to Ancestry. We'll tell you. No, nah, I don't trust y'all. <laughs> y'all the same folks. Yeah, I don't trust y'all. Why would I? No, that's foolish. Um, So, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely played a role and as far as identifying identity. A lot of us people of color don't even have no source of identity. 
black people, quote unquote, black people have created this whole identity of what black people are today. That's all been created. That's all been created because we ain't we don't know who the hell we are. You know what I'm saying? We've been told we're from over here, but other, you know what I'm saying? We got a lot of public records that say a lot of us are actually from this land. And so it's like, bro, hey, somebody's lying. <laughs> Somebody lying. So it's like, hey, you know what I'm saying? You don't know who you are. You're going to pick up anything or what's around you. You're going to adopt those things. I really appreciate your dedication to learning your history. And not only that, but you sharing the the pieces that are important to you because i think the more people that get in touch with their own true identity because that's this is a problem and what you what you're saying you said a lot but like one of the main key points is like we try to make people a monolith we try to say well native americans are this or black people are this or white people are this and it's like dude we're individuals okay <laughs> can we be that and we can be mixed with a lot of things um some stereotypes are true. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are certain Facts. races of Facts. people that 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 perpetrated a, a lot of stuff. That that's Facts. true. So we Facts. have to acknowledge that. Facts. But, right? but at the same time, like I just I I appreciate that. Um, uh, switching gears slightly. Speaking of identity, did you ever find out who Bruce was? CIA don't come. For I us. never found out. <laughs> I never found. I never found out his last name. Honestly, never found out his last name. And since you read the book, Bari, you remember Bari? Bari actually got to meet Bruce. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because Bari, Bari, I did 14 days. Bari did like 30 something. Yeah. So he got, to, he went to the embassy, he met the U.S. embassy more than once since he was there longer. Um, and one of those times he met back with them, Bruce was in the uh, in that same little room that we was in that first time. He was like, yeah, but he laid eyes on him. He said, white dude, he looks like he is mentally just, mentally, emotionally, spiritually just stressed to a whole nother degree. And I'm like, bro, I can only imagine. <laughs> How can you, you know what I'm saying? Anybody would be probably be like that after what Bruce has been through. Um, so yeah, I still, yeah, I ain't, in bars like, but I ain't, Painted. I ain't give him no energy. <laughs> I, said, I saw that man and I turned my head and I minded my own business. I said, wow, okay. They let me know right then and there for sure. <laughs> well, the warnings that you guys got kind of, I mean, listen, yeah. here's the thing. And if anybody listening wants to know who Bruce is, well, it turns out you need to get the bucket and read. So there's <laughs> that. Um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. And so just to, to go back to, so 14 days in Beijing, it's, it's essentially your daily accounting of the 14 days that you were locked up in custody in China. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when I read this book, it took me to a lot of places mentally, not that I've experienced what you've experienced, but because I, I've been in places where there's so much uncertainty um, that there's a loss mm -hmm. of control that there's isolation and I can only imagine what it would be like to experience those things all together, all at once in a place where you could barely communicate. In fact, like not at all communicate for the first, what, 72 hours, 48, 72 yeah. hours, something like that. Yeah. So I don't know if this is even possible, but I know you've talked about it a lot. So like, how would you how could you communicate with us or or explain to us outside of what you did in the book 
like what that felt mm. like to be all of a sudden like bombarded and arrested out of nowhere and then not have any idea what's going on in another country. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, just fortunately for me, when everything first popped off, I was still high. <laughs> so that helped <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like that's during that first chapter. I'm just like, I'm just like still in shock. Like, but this is really happening. I can't believe this is going on. But it, reality didn't click in until we actually got to Beijing jail six and I'm laying on the bunk. Like, oh man. Okay. This is real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is real. But it's just like, like when I had that conversation I had, when I was in the first precinct and I'm like, just reflecting on everything that just transpired up until this point. And now it's just like, I, right, I'm in this precinct right now and I don't know what's going to happen. How this thing going to play out. Um, but I know I'm going to be good. I know I'm going to be good. And mind you, what did I do earlier that day before even, uh, before I even started pregame, what did I do? I was listening to things I did. I went to the gym, gym yeah. came back home. And what did I do after that? I cooked and uh, prayed to who? Your ancestors. Are you quizzing me right now? Yeah, you... you, you the ancestors. Yeah, you look for guidance. The ancestors. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I prayed, but this a, that's a ritual that I do every Thursday. Like Once we get off the phone here, I got to go make some food and go lay it out and pray to the ancestors again. Um, so this is something I, I do. So the fact that I did, you know what I'm saying, I prayed to the, I paid homage to the ancestors that morning, and then boom, a couple of hours later, she hits the fan. That's why I'm in the precinct. The first precinct, I'm like, I'm I'm good. I know I'm gonna be good. I don't know how this thing's gonna play out, but I know I'm gonna be good when it's all said and done. Take note of every minor detail because this is gonna be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And most importantly, enjoy this high one last time because we don't know what's gonna happen to us, boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> but Really, once I got, you know what I'm saying, I'm in Beijing Jail 6, reality fully kicked in. Like, okay, yeah, you in here. Nobody knows you're here. You don't know. Nothing's been explained to you, but it's not looking too good. I can't ignore that obvious. It's not looking good. But accountability. Accountability. Hey, boy, you ain't. Now, if this was just a misfortunate set of events and, like, you just been mistaken, okay, now you have all the reasoning to... You know what I'm saying? Complain and be upset and have all this malice. You know what I'm saying? All of this, for sure. You can have to feel all those emotions. But the fact that you in here for something that you consciously knew you shouldn't have been doing and you still decided to do it and now the shit to hit the fan, it is what it is. You got to take this to the chin. This is something we got to go through. Um, you know what I'm saying? Made this, laid in this bed. Now we got it. You know what I'm saying? We got to make it. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. There's no point of crying over spilled milk. What needs to happen moving forward to speed this process up for me to get on up out of here. That's how my mind's working. Solutions. I can't sit here and dwell on the problem. Okay, that that's not going to get me any further. Solutions. <laughs> how can we fix this? How can we make this right? Uh, what needs to take place to get this thing back rolling? Um, and I'm just like, well, Pete, one, well, folks, folks got to realize you in here. All right. Well, what needs to happen in order for that? Well, you was going in, before you got arrested, you was getting ready to leave the house to head, uh, to head to an event to meet friends and colleagues. Um, and you didn't show up to that event. And I'm sure they called and you didn't answer. Is that a red flag? Nah, it was weird, but it ain't, it ain't nothing crazy. Uh, he ain't show up. I'm pretty sure he has a reason why. Now, when you don't show up for your 8 o'clock classes uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, oh, hell breaking loose. Because now they got to find somebody to cover your class last minute and 
one of the colleagues I was going to meet at that event, me and her work at the same school. So I'm like, okay, she going to know for a fact something's wrong. And that's going to be the red, that's going to be at least one red flag. And then uh, on top of all of that, I had a girlfriend at the time that still lived in America that we, that I communicated with regularly. And so I was like, oh yeah, when I don't respond to two of her messages, I'll hear breaking loose. So I'm like, I know I'm going to have to at least sit through this weekend before I become missing on people's radar. So, you know what I'm saying? I can, I can, I can handle a couple of days. And now when it comes to Monday, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? I'll, you know what I'm saying? People, the search for me will begin. Um, and we'll just take it. From Monday, right now, first challenge is getting through the weekend. Then come Monday, then we'll set a new challenge. Uh, and that's pretty much how I was planning it originally. And then, of course, chapter four, I moved to a new cell, so now um, I can communicate with others. Uh, I'm amongst two other English speakers, so now I can communicate, start connecting dots as far as how the jail operates and how this whole process works. But I still have no clue how long I'm going to be here. Um, and then in addition to all of that, I received multiple signs and messages from the ancestors letting me know how long I was going to be in this predicament, how and how this process is going to play out, how it's going to be released now. The very first sign I received um, was in chapter one when they weighed the weed up right in front of me. That was one of the that was the, really the only live in action uh, sign that I received. Because one, you think of it is interesting part of the book. Cause it's still early, and you know what I'm saying shit just hit the fan. So it's like, okay, this thing going. What's gonna happen next? So to see from a reader standpoint, you're curious to see or to know how much does this character actually have on him in possession? I mean, you know what I'm saying, how much did he actually get caught with? But two, you know what I'm saying, you when they weigh the read up, it turns out to be 1.4 grams. For those that partake in cannabis. You know, 1.4 grams isn't a lot. If you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything isn't a lot. So I ain't have much on me. But you look at that decimal, that number, 1.4. If you remove that point, what number do you get? 14. 14 days in Beijing. You know what I'm saying? So that was that was the first live. In, but not, I didn't catch it when... Live in action, I didn't catch it then. Yeah, I didn't catch it until I started editing the book. That's like, oh wow, that's crazy. Look at that connect. Like I, was, I didn't even realize it initially. And then the other two, other yeah, the other two three signs I received occurred in my dreams. Um, let me know how long, uh, affirming how long I was going to be there. And then the second one was let me know uh, how my release would be. So once them folks finally called my name, it was so much like the dream I had. I'm in just complete shock. And I'm just, I done completely ignored the fact, it hasn't even registered that these folks are telling me I can go home. I'm just sitting there just stuck like, bro, this has been a crazy two weeks. I've been in so in tuned and in touch with <laughs> my subconscious and the spiritual realm. Like, this has been a spiritual journey all in all. You know what I'm saying? So it was just, you know what I'm saying? I knew, Knowing subconsciously that the, the ancestors was going to, hold it down for me. And I just had to really just trust and put all the trust in them. You know what I'm saying? I, even though I was praying to them and you know what I'm saying, saying I was trusting them. It wasn't until chapter 13 when I fully was like, all right, I'm just going to completely let go. I'm going to just say, hey, fuck this. Yeah, I got it, man. However long I got to be here, that's how long I'm going to be here. For sure. It is what it is. I'm tired of getting my hopes up, all that. And then boom, the very next day. <laughs> call me to come on. So it's just like, yeah. Uh, I didn't think that your dream was going to come true until I got to that point. And I was like, no, wait, is this real? 
Okay, so we're gonna leave a cliffhanger for people there. So don't say it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, something that kind of is an interesting thing to me, and I caught it, and I might have been making an assumption here, but let me explain. So the stereotypical perception of what we have of a jail or a prison here in the States can get pretty rough. And I think that's a pretty broad, like, I think most people would agree that there is an overarching, mm-hmm. um, very negative, potentially hostile, dangerous environment. Um, your experience was very, very, very different than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason why I say that, though, is I want to I wanna emphasize different But that doesn't mean better because a lot of times we like to fly by this psychological impact of certain situations. Um, Mm. And I just I just want to emphasize that. So the way you you travel through your journey, and I think this is why it took me to certain places, because I can some of them can resonate with me. Uh, I just want to point out that that the importance of that, because I think sometimes people might and going back to what I implied before, I feel like. When you finally got a chance to talk to your mom and your brother was in the background, I feel like the way that question was written is that he was kind of concerned about that situation. And again, I'm totally like <laughs> reading into this, with my own brain, but the question that he asked, the question that he asked made me think, oh, so he might think you're in a jail like we have here. And he's mm-hmm. here for Yeah. You. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So am I totally <laughs> making this shit up or... <laughs> No, nah, you hit the hand. Hey, you hit the. Hey, hey, I'm glad you read the book for sure. Cause like now we can have. You know what I'm saying? We have these conversations. You know what I'm saying? I don't even mind having these conversations because I have somebody that actually read it. Versus, I'm just telling this person every. You know what I'm saying? What didn't happen? And now they just reacting off of based off of that. But you able you able to catch. You were able to catch a lot of the subtle small details within the story, you know what I'm saying, that are truly impactful all in all, you know what I'm saying? This is so I'm happy. I'm happy to hear all of it. I'm like, hey, okay. Yeah, you make me sound like I don't I know what I'm doing this a little bit. Like, okay. Oh man. What? <laughs> you know. So but yeah, it was um go ahead. So I'm just I'm just wondering. So on on this note, on this note of it's different than what we expect in the US, but but no less hard, what do you feel like was the hardest or what were the hardest moments for you? Um, i say definitely not being able to take care of my hygiene the way that I wanted to. That was definitely the most, that was probably the most nerve wracking part of the entire situation. Like, dang, I ain't even, I can't even take care of myself. Like, dang, what? No toothbrush, no toothpaste, no so- nothing. One Tupperware bowl, one plastic spoon. That's all I had for 14 days straight. You know what I'm saying? And the little bit of uh, toiletries I was able to get my hands on, it was used. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't even like it was fresh out the pack. You know what I'm saying? And that, I really wouldn't get that until I got moved to the new cell. So before, if I would have been in that first set the whole time, it really, whoo. <laughs> Man, it would have been quiet. You feel me? It would have been quiet, for real. You know what I'm saying? Wait, so, you got to explain um, this because people aren't going to know what you mean by quiet. <laughs> you use a lot of different so, yeah. words. <laughs> so quiet is pretty much like. It's something that you're not willing to, to go through or willing to do 
it's absolutely it's a dead mission it's not happening we say it's quiet like it's literally it's not happening it's not a nothing it's literally to the point that there's no noise that's how non-existent it is it's not we're not going for it so it's like yeah that's what quiet means i got that from my boy barry shout out to boy barry (laughs) but yeah um all in all yeah it was um it definitely wasn't what i was expecting i honestly ain't know what to expect but for it to be for it to have been and a pos- I would say overall a positive experience for somebody to be locked up and it and it ain't really a whole it ain't no drama at all. You ain't no BS you gotta deal with as far as just the inmates and we it ain't but we in one cell, 15 men in one cell, 24 hours a day. We ain't like we leaving now. You don't get the leader cell, so you in the same space with fit the same faces until your time is up. You know what I'm saying? So um and I don't I'm not sure if that was I'm sure definitely my skin tone, my physique, all of that, you know what I'm saying, physical appearance definitely played a role as <laughs> far as how people approached me and went about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, addressing me and all of that, um, that definitely played a role. But energy is everything. At the end of the day, energy is everything. So just like from a physical standpoint, I might look intimidating, but you can be around me and you just, the more I open up my mouth, you'd be like, okay, this is an interesting individual right here. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm more intrigued, if anything. Um, so it was definitely just like a, just a lot of learning. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. Okay. I'm in a cell with Chinese men. I really haven't. I converse with Chinese folks out, you know what I'm saying, since I've been here. But, hey, I ain't going to be able to, not to the extent to where I'm in, uh, based on the setting now. Like I said, we in the cell 24 hours a day. We got a lot. The time on our hands, you know what I'm saying? So it's a lot that we can talk about and learn about each other, you know what I'm saying? Especially um, each other's cultures and, you know what I'm saying, just differences, you know what I'm saying, from that standpoint. Because all them folk, Chinese folks know about anybody else's stereotypes. And it's China. There's nothing but Chinese people there. You have a sprinkle of foreigners here and there for sure. It isn't like America where it's a melting pot of just a bunch of different people. And you, you No, nah, it ain't like that. So it, they come across foreigners, all right. What we know of y'all is what we done seen in the media. So we just want to test and see if everything we learned in the media is true or not. That's really what it is. Okay, that's not true. Well, what, what, what is this perspective then? Or, you, you know what I'm saying, your approach to this. Da, da, da. So it's all it is, just learning. It's enlightening. That's why I say that traveling is important for sure. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Traveling and 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 not not just traveling, but immersive traveling. Like you can go anywhere mm-hmm. and just be pigheaded and not pay attention to what's around you, but like the immersive traveling, like where you're actually trying to understand an experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now we talked about like you were spiritual already. So you already have this uh, deep connection to your ancestors and, and the the meditative practice, or I I call it meditative um, spiritual practice that you, that you practice practice that you practice we got it anyways um do you, <laughs> do you feel like do you feel like these 14 days helped you deepen your spiritual journey or did it bring you clarity in ways that were unexpected both both, both. definitely spiritual journey um like i said i was like that was the most in tune i have ever been with or connected with the spirit, my spirituality and my subconscious. For me to be thrown, fall flat on my face in this foreign land, and now I'm in this predicament where I have zero control over what's going on. But 
am able to remain so calm, collected in the moment, um, receive messages and signs, um, and then watch all those signs and messages come into fruition. Um, and now, okay, you've been through this hardship and now it's another spiritual test. Okay, you're free. You have your freedom back for sure. But now it ain't like everything's peaches and cream. No, you still got to get on up out this country. And then once you get back to America, but you're back to square one all over again. Another trial of the mind that tests the resolve of the soul. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's definitely been a spiritual journey. Um, and also just clarifying all of the confusion that I had at first. And confusion, I mean by my identity. And by my identity, like when college football came to the end, I'm saying, damn, Chance, who are you? What do you want out of life? Who do you aspire to be? I, all them questions I couldn't answer. I can't. You don't th- Best believe I can answer them now. <laughs> best believe I can answer them now for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know what I'm thinking? I'm like, applying for a job should be considered job experience. Because I've heard so many stories of people who literally are going through hundreds of applications and interviews and it's just rejection, 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 or like not even just rejection, but like crickets, nothing, no response at all. Yeah. It's everybody takes things differently. To me, crickets is worse. (laughs) Like it's worse. (laughs) um, I feel like (laughs) totally random thought, but yeah, I feel like that should count. As like job experience. Oh me. Man. <laughs> oh man. Trial and error. Exactly. Like, well, not just trial and error, but persistence in trial and error. Because you can that give part. up. I mean, I don't recommend it, but you you know, it takes it takes a lot to keep going sometimes. Um okay, before we get to the final three questions, is there anything else you want to share? Mm-hmm. Any final wisdom you'd like to impart on us or something um, that you're working on maybe? That yeah, you yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I like to leave you know, saying these interviews with uh, this quote. And it's another quote by Nipsey Hussle. <laughs> and so y'all can say Nipsey Hussle is, has a huge influence on my life. But um, and it, the quote is so similar to many of our stories, but I feel like it's definitely a great representation of my journey. Um, and it goes long-winded, running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what's the mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. So who would you want to define you? Someone else? Or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, homie, get your heart to it and stay strong. Love it. I love that. All right. So I feel like that's like such a good finale. But I always have final three final questions. <laughs> so the first one is I... I like to give the guest an opportunity to provide the listener an action item because we can talk about things all day long, but things don't happen unless we take action. So from your experience, what's one thing? I know there's probably many, but one thing listening today, everyone can do this uh, to start their journey of discovering their own purpose. How well do you know yourself? Ask themselves that. 
No, I'm just asking. That's a general. How well do you know yourself? Okay. That's a general question. Before, how can you find your purpose if you don't know who you are? You don't know nothing about yourself. How can you? How? You can't. You need to take time to learn you first and understand you to the core, who you are, your spirit, spirit of you. And then once you figure all that out, you learn all that. Everything else is just be, it'll open like the Red Sea. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Learn yourself. And I, if you need you need some advice on how to wait, spend, take some time, spend some time to yourself. Like I said earlier, yeah, everybody got a list. Of, everybody got places in the world they want to go travel to. Go to one of them places by yourself. Just you. Of course, take your, you know what I'm saying, use your phone to navigate, you know what I'm saying, pay for stuff, whatever, if, when you need it. But as far as posting and all that, no, 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 forget Act like you ain't got a phone when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? Truly submerge yourself in that land, in that new environment, and see how much you learn about yourself. For sure. For sure. Take that time, that isolation. You'll learn a lot about yourself. I love that. I had 14 days to learn myself. <laughs> 14 days. No, but me. I think it's so important because the example you gave earlier about, you know, football's over, and now all of a sudden you feel lost. I, I feel like your example is football, but so many people, if they're really paying attention, have had a similar experience, but with different things. And frankly, a lot of times it happens when you have a relationship end or you have mm -hmm. a family member that passes away. Like there, there are triggers in life where we may not realize how, and sometimes we do realize how tied we are, but we don't always realize how tied we are to things until they're gone. And then it's like, I mean, for me, for example, I, I was in a long-term relationship. I got out of that relationship and I was like, what do I even like? <laughs> what are my hobbies? You know what I mean? It's it sounds, I mean, it sounds pathetic saying it out loud, but listen, it was the truth. And and it's a journey. Yeah. So I love it. I love, love, love that. So five words that you would use to describe yourself in this current phase of life. Mm. A God amongst men. That's four for the uh last one. I say leader okay leader okay fantastic and then where can everybody connect with you to stay in touch to find your books all the things um definitely uh utilize the best search engine we got out here google google chancellor k jackson google 14 days in beijing you'll find everything you need to know as far as uh my personal website my social media accounts other interviews i've done um, my books are available on Amazon as well as um, my website as well. And also what I just started recently, well, I've been doing it, but I didn't actually, you know what I'm saying, put, just started going full fledged with it is uh, I coach aspiring authors. So anybody out there that has an uh, idea or a concept for a story, but don't know how to go about putting it on paper, or you've already written a story, but don't know how to go about publishing, tap in with your boy. I could walk you through either process or both of them. Um, actually, I had one client who just released his book on the 16th of October and he was ranked number one new bestseller in two different genres. So stop playing with that boy. And it's titled the fatherless child by Anthony McKinney. Um, so extremely proud of him and just looking forward to continue to build off of this momentum and, you know what I'm saying? Build Corlate Publications LLC. And I also have two other books. Um, you love, you learn and real love never dies. It's a romance. Saga. And it's pretty much a man's first step towards gaining emotional intelligence. So, yeah, y'all can just tap in with me, man. I also got the audio book for 14 days, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Anchor. So, and I'm reading it, and me and my uh, engineer, we voice acting a different character. So it's it's theatrical, it's lit. Y'all gonna enjoy that too. Um, so yeah, man, you Google me. Okay, I might have to listen to that because I that's got to be entertaining. All right. So, anyways, yeah. I, and I'm gonna put all the links <laughs> in the show notes, so everyone will be able to. If you didn't catch any of that, or if you're driving, please don't write and drive. Um, I'll put all the links in the show notes um, so that you can get those. So. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate this. Um, I want to just say one more time, I, I encourage everyone to grab the book and take some time reading it and process it and find your own lessons within that story because I think it's possible. Um, I think that's one of the most amazing things about sharing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Hey, shout out to everybody that stayed down and listened to the whole interview. You are real one <laughs> on me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in today. Definitely appreciate you joining Chancellor and I for this conversation and hope it inspired some thoughts for yourself as well. Anyone that turned this man down for a job, you better start kicking yourself now because this is somebody that shows up in their full authenticity and I freaking love it. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions that we shared today, they're our own. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Uh, Check the show notes to make sure you connect with Chancellor, find information on how to grab his book and support him on social media as well. Connect with Diversity on Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Share the shot conversation with everyone you know so they can also join in these conversations. And until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversations going. Mm-hmm.